Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying the prophet Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah 2b. That's the second part of chapter 2. And we will start where we left off last time, which was uh, at verse... Uh, we finished verse 13, so today we're going to start with 14 and go till 22. Since it's a long chapter... And I'm trying to keep these podcasts uh, short. Um, so uh, I'm dividing it up into its logical portions. And this is Saul Weiner, the host of your podcast. So, Yirmiyahu, the prophet, um, has just... Um, del- is now in the process of delivering his first prophecy to the people... And uh, in the first portion of this chapter, he mentioned, the, he started off um, with praise. He started off talking about how, how wondrous it was, the, the people and the, the Jewish people and the people of Israel during the, original, the old days, the good old days, so to speak, when, when they followed God through the desert. But then... God complained to the people and said, I was so good to you. I brought you from Egypt. I set you up in this wonderful land. But instead, you rebelled against me. This was God's complaint. This is a common theme we've seen throughout the words of the prophets. And then we ended with the uh, what I call the double whammy, the the two evils that the people did. That number one, they uh, did not have any, any appreciation. And then number two, after they didn't appreciate me, instead of, instead of searching me out, they went and searched other gods out. That was how we ended last time. So now we're going to start verse 14. God continues to address the people of Israel and says, Ha'eved Israel, is Israel like, a, were they like a slave emulated by it? Or were they just born of a member of the household this is a reference as you imagine in the old days uh, when families consisted of servants and 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 of um, the uh, members of the household uh, the sons of the husband and wife uh, were generally of a higher status than the children born to the servants in the house and so <clears throat> one would imagine that uh, uh, and that the image of a son is treated better than the son of a of one of the servants of the ho- household, um, and God is saying, "You weren't one of my just a, a born of the household. You're my son. You know, you were b'ni b'chori Israel. You were my son, my firstborn. I I I said, you know, I chose you as a special people. This is again referencing back to what we did in the last podcast." Um, why is it that he, meaning my son, became something that's being abused by others, something that's being trampled by other, by other nations? Remember, God is choosing the other nations. In this particular case, it's going to be Babylon. But the other nations that made Israel suffer over the years, Assyria, Egypt, etc., why is it that you've become this way? And the answer will shortly will find in the next few verses that 
You've become this way because of your behavior, not because of mine, God says. All love, but God continues to lament over his son. It's over him, my son, that, that the lions are roaring. They have let their voices be, the, the, the lions' voices be uh, proclaimed and, and, and uh, directed over, over my son. They have caused his land to become destroyed. His cities have now become uh, uh, destroyed and, and laid waste with no one living there anymore. This image of the nations attacking the Jewish people, the people of Israel, the people of Judah, um, as lions is a, a common image in Isaiah. We found it in um, Isaiah 31, verse 4. We also said, when it was referring to the people of Egypt and Assyria, uh, the nations of Egypt and Assyria attacking the uh, people of Judah, they were called the, the their roaring lions. We also had it in uh, Isaiah 5, um, verse 29, we had a similar um, language. I'll read it to you in a second. Um, it was Shogolo Kalavi Ishag Kakfirim They're roaring, it's referring to the nations attacking Israel. The roaring is like lions, they roar like the beasts, and so on. So you see this image uh, comparing Assyria, uh, Egypt, and now Babylon. Um, but these are, since Yermio is speaking in past tense, he's talking about Assyria and Egypt in the past as opposed to Babylon, which is something he's predicting for the future. I just read, okay, we just read that verse, that was 15. And not only is it is it the people of Assyria, but even those you're going to go, and we know that they ran down to Egypt, right, in order to, um, to get support. They thought that they'd be protected by looking to Egypt for support, but we know that that didn't work. And he says in verse 16, Even the people that live in the towns of Nof and Tachpanches, these are cities in Egypt, they will, um, they will uh, 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 feed upon your heads. Uh, and this is, um, uh, could mean feed upon the crown upon your head, meaning they will abuse your, your kings and your leaders. But in general, it just means you're going to look to them for support, as we know that people did. Um, but instead of getting support, you're going to get you're going to get even more suffering. This is become, coming to you. The reason why this suffering is coming to you is because you abandoned the Lord your God. At a time when He was leading you in the right path. I gave you prophets. I taught you the right path. I taught you the Torah. I taught you how to live. But you decided to leave me, and that's why you are now being put in the hands of these other nations for suffering. The Atta and now, why are you going down to Egypt for support in order to drink the waters of Shichar, which is, <coughs> excuse me, another name for the Nile? And why are you going to Assyria to drink the waters of the of the river, the, the Euphrates and Tigris rivers that were in 
the land of Assyria. So why are you turning to them for help? This is very reminiscent of the, of, again, of what we found in Isaiah, in, which Isaiah was obviously much earlier, um, uh, 100, well, 100 or so, maybe less than that, years earlier than Jeremiah. And he was in the time of Ahaz, where Ahaz turned to Assyria for help to save him from the nations that were attacking him. And Isaiah repeatedly rebuked him and said, do not go in that direction. Do not look to Assyria for help. In the same time of Isaiah, they also were looking towards Egypt for help. Isaiah kept on saying, no, you look to God for help. Um, don't look to those these evil nations. You can't trust them. If you remember, we saw in Isaiah 31, one, we had the famous verse. It said, Woe to those that go down to Egypt for help. And they rely on the, uh, they, they rely on their horses. They look at them as a mighty country. They think they're powerful and strong. And, but, but, and they did not turn and turn towards the Holy One of Israel. They did not search out God. God is saying the same lesson here. Why are you going to Egypt? You, you abandon God and instead you're turning to other nations. Your own evil is going to come against you. In, in many cases we find that it's a person's, it end, you know, the, the idea that it's a person's own sins that end up making him suffer. In this particular case, it sounds like it's a little bit more of a political thing. Because you abandoned God and you turned towards Egypt and you turned towards Assyria, therefore it is from them that you are going to be punished. And your turnings away from me, as Rashi mentions this word, return my children, the ones who have turned away. So Teshuvah Sometimes it's translated as repentance, coming back to God. But it could also mean the opposite, turning away, sliding. I like the term I see in the JPS translation, your backslidings themselves, tochichoch, are what are going to come and reprove you. Udi'i, and you should know, Uri'i, and you should see, kiravamar, that it is bitter, it is hard, it is bad. The fact that you left God. You abandon God, you turn towards the other nations for help. And instead of getting help from them, you get punished and hurt by them. And it is, and you have, and my fear of me is no longer with you. So says God, the Lord of Hosts. Again, in the old days, back back then, I broke your 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 um your um yoke, your bond to those people of Egypt. You used to be enslaved to them. I took you away from there. I broke those bonds. I made you free. I removed all of those, all of those ropes that tied you to others. You were free to live. You were free to be your own people. You were free to independently serve God. And at the time, you said, I will not, I will not transgress your words. I will keep the, the laws you're giving me. I will live in the moral and ethical way you're trying to teach me. But instead, what did you do? Instead, on every high place, and under every, uh, uh, every, every shady, leafy tree, 
instead uh, instead of worshiping me you went to all these places to worship idols and to worship the gods of other peoples at tzo'ah zona you were tzo'ah zona the word tzo'ah here is difficult to translate the radak compares it to the verse in isaiah 51 verse 14 where he says and and over there he was talking about uh, the radak translated it there if you remember when we studied isaiah together i had like five or six different possible translations of the word so eh there over and the, the radak translates it as a wanderer saying meaning that you wandered like a harlot like when a person sees a a, a, har, a, a harlot is it's not you know he goes to one today and then, and then he finds another one tomorrow and then another one tomorrow there's no commitment there as opposed to a, a committed relationship where one stays with one spouse but a zona is this idea that you've wandered from tree to tree from god to god from country to country zona. i'm going to keep i'm going to take that translation and use the radak the Matsudos also translates it that way i think it fits the best here however i I didn't wander from tree to tree. And God says, I, I planted you as a beautiful grapevine. I planted you as a solid vine. A truthful seed. A truthful seed is one that's reliable. A seed that you plant and it grows nice. That's a truthful seed as opposed to a, a dud, as we would call it today. It was, you, I didn't plant you as a dud. I planted you as a solid vine. And why, how is it that you you turned against me, you turned away from me, and you grew this 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 strange um, this strange uh, a wayward uh, vine that doesn't grow properly and just wanders off. This is reminiscent of the um, of of the Shirat Hakaram in Nishayahu also. Where God compares the the, uh, the the people of Israel to his to his vineyard, and then that the vineyard went, and instead of growing properly, it went away. And then verse twenty-two, Even if you're going to wash yourself off with with neter, um, which is a, a type a, like a soap that they used to use with tarbilach boris, and you use tons and tons of soap, you try to wash yourselves and cleanse yourselves of the of of everything. But you can't cleanse yourself, God says. Your sin is like stained into the garment in front of me. This leads to a question, what does this mean? It sounds like God is saying that even if you repent and come back to me and you try to cleanse yourselves of sin, you're stained in a permanent way and you can't cleanse yourself. This goes against the idea that that the people can always return. The whole purpose of the book of Jeremiah, of Yirmiyahu, is to tell the people to return so that God should forgive them to avoid the destruction. So why is it that it says, Nikhtam The Radak deals with this question and he brings uh, several words, works, um, quotes of the rabbis that deal with this, but I like the explanation of the Malvim who beautifully explains this and, it, and hooks this up, attaches it to the next verse, which answers that question very clearly. Of course you can repent. Of course you can come back to me. However, Eich Tomri in verse 23, how is it that you now tell me, loan it Macy? I have not defiled. I have not done anything wrong. And you're denying it to me. I have not went and worshipped the, the idols of Baal. 
So in other words, God is saying you can try to wash yourself, come to me and beg and cry and everything, but it means nothing if you don't recognize that you've done anything wrong. You're denying it. The first step in repentance is to recognize that you did something wrong. If you go around and saying, I didn't defile myself, I did not worship the idols, in other words, you're denying your sin, then there's no place for repentance. The first step in repentance is vidu, is admission of guilt. A person can never improve if he doesn't admit his guilt in the first place. That's why you can use as much soap as you want. The stain is still there. You have to recognize the stain first. God actually does the opposite. Of course you can repent. I want you to see your way. What is it that you do in the valleys? What is those bad behaviors that you're doing in the valleys? The emasi, so you should know what you did. Then you can change. Then you can come back. You are like a um Bihra Kala is a young camel, a young female camel. And I personally don't know a lot about camels, but apparently a young camel, a commentary is explained, uh, runs and runs and runs without direction. And Bihrok Kala Misorechas Durachah Misorechas is referring to the Suroch Naal, the the footsteps of her ways. Bihra is light in her footsteps of her ways. In other words, she's constantly running aimlessly. An old camel goes in the right direction, goes where you tell him, does what he does. A young camel just wants to run, and she runs and runs and runs, but doesn't think about where she's running, doesn't think about where she's going. And God is saying, I don't want you to do that. The mouse, he said, I want you to know what it is that you're doing. I want you to understand what you're doing. Don't just run aimlessly like a young wild camel, but think about what you're doing. Admit your faults, then you could come back to me. So this then um, is where I'm, I'm going to stop. This is where, uh, yeah, and, and we're going to continue uh, doing Yermiaho 2C after this. Uh, the idea emphasized in this uh, section that we studied today is, is that one must recognize one's sin and come back to God. But in order to come back to God, one must first recognize the sin. One cannot come back and, and pray to be saved by God and redeemed from the, the oppression coming if he doesn't recognize the problem in the first place. Thank you so much for paying attention. Looking forward to studying your Mio 2C together.